Section 8 of The Life of St. Dominic Savio by St. John Bosco. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 13. His Frequentation and Devout Reception of the Sacraments. The confirmed experience of those who have assisted in the spiritual training or the general education of the young is that the sacraments of confession and holy communion are the best safeguards and the strongest supports for that critical period of their life. If you can show me a boy who frequently receives the holy sacraments, it will be enough to convince me that he will pass through the years of youth, reach the age of manhood and maturity, and, if God so disposes, arrive at a venerable old age, and all during that time will be an example to those who know him. This should be impressed upon the young so that they may form this excellent habit. It should be seriously considered and grasped by all who share in the education of the young, so that they may assist them to put it into practice. Apart from certain establishments, few in number, it was not usual in the time we are treating of, for children or adults to go frequently to the sacraments, and so Dominic Savio had only been accustomed to go once a month to confession and communion before he came to the oratory. But from that time he began to go more often. In fact, it had been stated in the pulpit of the oratory chapel that if the boys were really desirous of walking in the paths of virtue, and persevering in it, they should practice three things to go regularly to the sacrament of penance, to approach the holy table very frequently, to open their heart freely to their confessor. Dominic had noted down these counsels, for in such things he had a special knowledge of what was important. He chose his confessor, and only had the one during his stay at the oratory. In order to make quite sure that everything was correct, and to form a right estimation of his conscience, he made a general confession. Then he began to go every fortnight, and then weekly. His habit of monthly communion was soon altered to a weekly one, and then to several times a week, and then to a daily one. At one time he seemed to become scrupulous, and wished to confess oftener, but his confessor forbade him to go more than once a week, and he adhered to this direction. But in this confessor he had the utmost confidence, and opened his whole soul to him. Even out of confession he often consulted him about the affairs of his soul, and in regard to a change of confessor he very acutely said, the confessor is the soul's physician. You do not change your doctor unless he proves unworthy of your confidence, or unable to deal with your complaint. Neither of these cases applies to me. I have entire confidence in my confessor, and I do not know of any diseases of the soul that he cannot cure. However, this confessor directed him to go to another priest from time to time, especially at the monthly exercises for a good death, and this the boy did. In these matters, indeed, he had special gifts. He used to say that he could not possibly be in need of spiritual comfort or strength, for he got all the guidance he required from his confessor, and all the desires of his soul were satisfied in the delights of holy communion. Nothing could be added to his happiness until it was time for him to be admitted to the unveiled presence of our Lord, whom he now beheld on the altar with the eyes of faith. It was this frame of mind that conduced to Dominic's perpetual calm and cheerfulness, and the special joy that seemed to accompany his daily life. However, it must not be imagined for a moment that he was not observant in the extreme, lest anything should prevent his being prepared to go daily to the Holy Sacrament. On the contrary, his conduct was on all occasions singularly without blemish. I have questioned those who were with him during his three years amongst us, and who lived the same student's life with him, and not one of them could, after due reflection, bring forward any defect or negligence, or suggest any virtue in which he was lacking, and yet boys have a high standard when judging of such things in their companions. In regard to his actual reception of Holy Communion, he used to say a special prayer of preparation the night before. 
In the morning he prepared with the other boys during Mass, and with his own particular devotion, but his thanksgiving cannot be said to have ever terminated. It was quite an ordinary occurrence that, if not specially called or aroused, he would not remember breakfast time or even school time, remaining in prayer, or rather in a sort of contemplation and adoration of the goodness of our Divine Lord, who communicates with souls in his own ineffable manner. If he could spend an hour during the day in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, it was his utmost delight, but he always found time for a visit every day, and got someone to go with him if possible. His favorite prayers were a series of acts in reparation to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. They were a well-known devotional practice, and to be found in most prayer books. In order that his communions might be more fruitful and meritorious, and that there might be a motive of renewed fervor every day, he always had a definite intention in view. His intentions were thus distributed over the week. Sunday, in honor of the Blessed Trinity. Monday, for the welfare of spiritual and temporal benefactors. Tuesday, in honor of my patron saint, St. Dominic, and of my guardian angel. Wednesday, in honor of Our Lady's seven dolors for the conversion of sinners. Thursday, for the souls in purgatory. Friday, in honor of the sacred passion of Christ. Saturday, in honor of Our Lady to obtain her protection in life and death. Whatever devotions were practiced in honor of the Blessed Sacrament, he took part in them with eager joy and delight, and would accompany the priest when taking Holy Viaticum, if he were allowed. One day a priest was passing across a muddy street with the Blessed Sacrament when Dominic was near. There had been a great deal of rain, and it was muddy all around. But the boy took no heed of that. He knelt in the mud and made his act of adoration. A companion remonstrated that he need not have knelt in the mud that God did not command it, and did not wish him to dirty his clothes in that way. But that was not at all Dominic's view of such things. He replied that trousers as well as knees belonged to God, and should therefore be employed in his honor. Whenever I approached the sacramental presence, he said, I would not only throw myself in the mud, but even into a fiery furnace, for thus I should be consumed with that fire of infinite charity which moved our Lord to institute the most holy sacrament. On another occasion, he noticed that a soldier was standing while the Blessed Sacrament was being carried by. Dominic did not like to invite the soldier to kneel down, so he took out his handkerchief, spread it on the ground, and made a sign that he might kneel on it. The soldier was a little confused at this hidden rebuke, but he left the handkerchief alone and knelt down where he was in the middle of the street. One of Dominic's delights was to be dressed as a cleric for the great procession of the Blessed Sacrament on the Feast of Corpus Christi. His whole bearing revealed the depth of his faith and the excess of his love. End of chapter 13 Chapter 14 His Mortifications It will be rightly conjectured that many reasons forbade that Dominic should undertake any extraordinary penance. There was his age, he was only fourteen or fifteen, there was his delicate health, there was the innocence of his life but he knew that it is difficult to maintain fervor and purity of soul without some austerity, and this consideration made him ready for penances and mortification. And by mortifications, I do not here allude to the insults and unpleasantness that he had to bear, or to his continual restraint over his senses, whether in class, study, or recreation. This form of penance was a habit with him. I refer now to actual penances, painful to the body. In his fervor and his devotion to the Mother of God, he had resolved to fast on bread and water every Saturday, but his confessor forbade it. He wished to fast during Lent, but after a week it came to the knowledge of the director of the house, and that too was forbidden. He wished at least to do without breakfast, but consideration for his health made it prudent to forbid that also. What, then, was he to do to satisfy his desire for some bodily mortifications? 
As he was forbidden to do anything that affected his food, he began to afflict his body in other ways. He put some sharp objects into his bed, so that he might not be able to repose in comfort. He wanted a kind of hair-shirt, but all these things were soon prohibited. He thought of something else. During the autumn and winter he managed to escape having extra blankets for his bed, so that during the cold of January he had only the summer coverings on his bed. That was discovered, because, one morning, he was unwell, and had to remain in bed, and when the director came to see him, he saw at once that he had insufficient covering for that severe cold. "'Why did you do this?' the director asked. "'Did you want to die of cold?' "'Oh, I shall not die of cold,' he answered. "'When in the stable at Bethlehem, or hanging on the cross, our Lord had less to cover him than I have now.' He was then forbidden to undertake any penance at all without express permission, and this command, though difficult, was obeyed. Later on I saw that he was in some difficulty. He said he could not reconcile the command of the gospel to do penance with the prohibition he had received. The penance God wishes from you, I said, is simply obedience. If you obey, that will suffice for everything. Can you not allow me to do some other penance? The only penance you are to do is to bear patiently all that God sends you in this life. But those things must be put up with by necessity. Very well, I replied. Whatever you have to suffer by necessity, offer it to God and it will become a virtue and meritorious in the sight of God. This counsel comforted his misgivings, and he was never disturbed in that way again. End of chapter 14